We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weber back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet. Put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento. Welcome into the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, your Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me, ABC 10's Sean Cunningham. Sean, what's going on? You got you're you're a little under the weather. No, I'm not so much under the weather. I'm in this allergy mode. It's not COVID. I've been tested. Uh, I'm vaxxed and boosted and all that. Um, thought it might have been a cold, actually, but no. It's this is the time of year for me where I deal with allergies and I battle my, my voice goes in and out. So I might sound like I'm going through puberty in this podcast, which could be a fun experience again. Um, <laughs> but maybe it'll just sound like this. This is the time of year when, you know, people will call me and I'll just go, I'll answer my phone and they'll be like, Oh man, sorry to wake you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's 1230 in the afternoon. I've been up since nine 30. What is wrong with you? And they're like, yeah, but you have this, like this, this scratchiness in your voice. And I go, yeah, I do. Yeah. Sean, Sean's trying to get all sexy on us. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I too have, like I was telling Sean before we came on, my eyes are watering today, uh, which reminds me, uh, Alex, one of the King's media relations guys, um, he, during cold weather, he, like his eyes just like weep all day long, like uncontrollably, like almost like it, tears form. And like he, it, it streams down his face. So shout out to Alex. Cause the, the cold weather is, is here there, and there's a joke there. Yeah. Well, he, he, he works for an organization that makes him cry all the time. Yeah. This it, it's, it's not the, uh, the golden one center. It's, it's the giant onion. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so who's <laughs> cutting the onions. <laughs> yeah. It's one giant onion. That's there. Um, yeah. We got a lot to cover. We got a lot to go through today. Uh, we're going to hit the ground running, but uh, we also have the off the record Kings beat holiday edition of the uh the happy hour coming up january 6th if you're a premium subscriber you'll get an invite in your inbox uh if you're not then you miss out you miss out on a, a good time uh where we we share even crazier stories and uh we even may invite a guest maybe two uh we'll have a few drinks uh sean will get loose and start oh saying some crazy stuff 
Uh, but make sure you're a premium subscriber to the King's Beat in order to get the invite to the uh, the King's Beat happy hour. It's kind of like the not safe for work version of the of the show. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, like I'll say, like on the podcast, like I have a policy. Like I I work in a bar. Like literally, I'm in a bar all time uh, at my house. I this is I've built it out, but it's it's my office slash bar. Uh, I do drink. And, uh, but I have a policy, Sean, that I don't drink on game days, mm. maybe a late, late, late night beer after a game with a couple of like other reporters every once in a while, like once or twice a season. Um, but like, I just have a policy that I don't drink on game nights. Uh, so you get a different version of James, uh, when we get to the happy hour, right? I, you do. And, and for me, uh, it's great because one thing that the pandemic taught me about myself is I don't drink alone. <laughs> you know, I had all these people who, you know, and I don't, I don't judge, but it's like, you know, Sean's known to throw one back a time or two. And uh, I, I, you know, everyone thought that the pandemic would be so, you know, oh, this is the perfect opportunity to do so. You can log on for work, you work from home and, you know, you're tossing them back, whatever you do, you do what you do. Uh, not that I ever did ABC 10, uh, but no, I found out that now that I found out that Sean doesn't drink alone to refer to myself in the third person, like a real dick, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't drink alone. So uh, I only drink amongst companies. So this is, I'm looking forward to January 6th because uh, the first one was a blast. I liked that uh, we had some lively questions, a lively group. Um, didn't really know what to expect. I hadn't, I hadn't yeah. done one of those uh, and it, and it kind of, it kind of worked. It kind of worked. It worked, didn't it? Yeah. yeah it did. And it was a lot uh, of fun. Damian Barling was there, which was amazing. He he helped out as well. Um, and Sean, when you go third person, that, that's called going full JJ Hickson. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's that's or, when or Ricky that's, Henderson, perhaps, or you yeah. know, yeah. But to keep it Kings, JJ Hickson loved himself in the third person. Yeah, he did. He did love himself in the third person. Uh, very interesting cat. Um, all right, so let's let's get to this. Uh, we've got a mess. Um, and we're going to start with Tuesday overreactions. Oh, here we are. Tuesday overreaction, Sean. This is the, uh, didn't we deem this a segment that pisses off Sean? Yeah, it might be. It's not quite the business of basketball. No, I love the business of basketball. Yeah, but, uh, this, I actually might be able to do, I actually might be able to do the better the business no i can't do it you uh, got me i can't you do drop it. down <laughs> that's that's awesome uh we got this uh this live wire that was alvin gentry uh masked up um i didn't know that you could really tell how angry someone was through a mask until oh, yes. alvin alvin gentry stepped up following the king's loss on uh, i think that's sunday right yeah it's sunday uh he came undone and like not in an like a horrible like throwing stuff but there was a, a point in his press conference where i do believe he was he was yelling uh, to a certain degree and i, I was like oh that's passionate uh and, and that's good and i think it's great but um the reason why he was so angry is the statement uh, this is the most disappointed i've ever been in my 34 years in the nba is that an overreaction, overreaction, Sean? This is our Tuesday overreaction. Uh, because I think, like, we talked to Tyrese Halliburton, and he's like, oh, well, we lost by 50 last year. I think that was worse. But where this team is, the talent level on this team, who they should be, who they are not, 
who they have become. The 500 team that Sean always talks about is now eight games under 500. But Sean, was that an overreaction from Alvin Gentry? See, it's I've been thinking a lot about this because I think Tyrese was a lot like I was. I fired off a tweet shortly after Alvin made that proclamation. <laughs> and It was bold. It was very bold. And um, I said to myself, this isn't even this isn't even in the top 10 of things I've witnessed over my years of covering bad Kings basketball. But it wasn't even the worst loss of the year. I mean, James, the Sixers loss to me is still 100 times worse because they had all their starters gone, everything that game represented. And it was just such an awful game. Yeah. Uh, You know, this team, as Tyrese pointed out yesterday at practice, it's like, you know, the first half was pretty decent. I think it was pretty early. You could tell that, you know, De'Aaron wasn't De'Aaron Fox that we had seen before he went into COVID. Um, but you saw some some things that, that was okay. Uh, clearly, the second half was the story we've seen before, the film we've seen before, and we don't like this where they come out of the half and they can't do anything. So is Alvin overreacting? Sure. But what I will say is I, I genuinely feel Alvin believes that. And I, I actually went back and looked at some of these old Alvin teams that he had, not only in just New Orleans and Phoenix and L.A. and, play, you know, just just looking at even defensive ratings. And he might be right. <laughs> he might actually have a point um, because this is a rather soft team. It's a very emotionally fragile team. Um, and, you know, you could make the argument it's one of 82, but it's not because we've seen this so many times before. I think he's at his wits end when it comes to the mental toughness of this team, the, how this team just doesn't push back and just allows teams to come in. And I mean, you really saw him open up more. So he, he caught himself James in his opening. Oh yeah. He was rattling off 25 things that they didn't do in that game. And he caught himself. He wanted to stop short. And he just goes, y'all just ask, just ask the questions. You guys ask questions. But then he didn't stop. (laughs) But then he didn't stop. And uh, then he, then he went into the hole. They're toying with us. They're on our home floor. They're coming in here. I mean, remember what happened a week ago, Dylan Brooks is on your home floor and he's just giving you the business. I mean, he is, he is letting you know it. He's, I mean, there's some colorful adjectives I'd love to give, but I won't. And he was, I mean, if anyone watched that game, Dylan, Dylan Brooks was outstanding. They didn't have John Morant. This Grizzlies team, when we kind of talked about it, like John Morant goes down and the Grizzlies team actually got better in a, in a weird way. Desmond Bain is a big reason for that. Dylan Brooks is a big reason for that. But in this game, Dylan Brooks goes out with COVID protocols. John Morant's back, first game back after a lengthy absence, and they just run it down your throat especially in that second half, there was just no. So look, I is, is the comment an overreaction maybe, but I actually think, I actually think Alvin Gentry truly does feel that way, James. And, and, and that's where, I mean, this is what was so weird about that game too. We're packing up our stuff to go down to the media room to talk to Alvin and do all the interviews post game. And I believe it was you, you go, is Alvin going to apologize to the fan base again? And I kind of scoffed at it. I was like, well, I don't want <laughs> like what what's he gonna he's just gonna do it after every game then because this is kind of a yep. you know, maybe every fourth game you kind of have you kind of feel this way. And then we get down there and it blew my mind that he did that because literally he says that and my eyes just went, What? 
Are you kidding me? Like it wasn't even one of the worst losses of the year. I mean, I guess it's, I guess you could say it's one of, but I can think of three that felt worse than this. Yeah. I think that there are plenty of bad losses this season. I'm going to say this. Uh, I think Alvin sat at home and watched this team play, watch the good and the bad, the team fight through adversity in certain games and then not have enough talent in certain games. And then maybe one of the games they let go of the, of the rope, as I say, as Alvin said, as other coaches have said, uh, one game I thought maybe where they weren't, they weren't competitive. Right. And, and the problem that you have with this team is when you go into halftime up 60 or 50 to 49, that means that you played a competitive 24 minutes of basketball. Like you competed. And then you come out in the third quarter and like, first of all, this team can't take a punch at all. No, no, no. They're, they're like glass jaw. They, they are. They're, <laughs> they're uh glass Joe from, uh, from punch out. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They just, they literally cannot take a punch. And not only that, but they, they rarely can deliver a punch and that's a problem. And so that's what we see. Teams make adjustments at halftime. And they're really not even that substantial as far as adjustments, but the team comes out and they know that if they punch the Kings, that they're going to fold. And when Alvin started talking about the opposition, basically he was saying that, you know, that they're clowning you on your home, on your home floor, right? Like how you should feel horrible. You just, not only did they, you know, like steal your lunch money, but then they walked off holding hands with your girlfriend I mean, that's that it's so bad. I mean, to me, like the Lakers lost. They did worse with your girlfriend in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they didn't just hold hands. No, sir. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You might want to close your eyes. It's a PG show, Sean. Right. I I try. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, to me, Alvin just he had to have that moment, though, where he unleashed the fury, where he yelled and screamed and said, like, I've got more heart than you do. That's what he's he's showing them that I care and you don't. And that's not okay. That was my first question. I said, uh, and I I had to find kind of a clever way to, I'm just like, Hey, uh, did you just tell this to your, to your team? Because (laughs) (laughs) like, I didn't want to come off as a smart ass. I really didn't, but I'm like, um, Uh, Hey, Hey, the the team locker room is right over there. Like, why are you yelling at us? He's, I mean, James, he's pounding the table several times he he gets to the point if you ask if i'm frustrated no one did i mean we can clearly see that you're frustrated sir like that's fine um but he goes and if you and, and he had this tone which is like all right grandfather grandpa's mad like he's like if you ask if i'm frustrated you damn right i am and it's like no we can see that like this is good like yeah fantastic but the team locker room's right through there down the and so you know we had to see that was the part where you know we're not in the locker room we can't really see these things during these covid times and talking to Marvin yesterday. It's yeah, like, he backed it up. He, you, I think it was you. You said, yeah, oh, your, your coach kind of ripped India. And he's like, as he should. Or I think it was even Terrence Davis who said that night. He's like, as he should. Yeah. Look, I, I, Alvin Gentry is a very smart man. But I don't think this was his intention. Because, look, Alvin will take a challenge, like any of these coaches will, any good coach. And he's going to want to do it his way. He's, he's going to put it on upon himself to make it better. Um, he's going to tackle the challenge head on, but James, what he did 
And again, I don't think he's this smart to do this because I don't think he's intending to do this. In my opinion, the impact of what Alvin Gentry did that night was put a great big bat signal up in the air, calling on your general manager, Monty McNair, Wes Wilcox, Joe Dumars, and owner of Evecronadive to do something. <laughs> like, he just basically said, I need help because we saw what a team can compete under Doug Christie. Granted that team looked a hundred times different because you started getting some players back. You got Marvin Bagley, you got De'Aaron Fox, you got Terrence Davis. All right. Now you got to play those guys again, right? You're not playing the guys that are chomping at the bit to play anymore. You're not playing the Damian Jones who wants to come in there and get a career high and, and make the most of his opportunity. All these guys are trying to make the most of their opportunity. We get that. Doug Christie's trying to make the most of his opportunity, not even having Alvin Gentry or Mark, Mike Longobardi, who will be, who will be back tonight. Like all these things that you have back at your disposal and Alvin comes back and he has to go back to the same routine, the same guys and doesn't go as deep into the, into the rotation. And then they just lay an egg. So he's telling them, help me help you. Like you got, you guys have to do something. And I think Kings fans recognize it at this point. Um, apathy has completely set in. Um, as I think you pointed out in a tweet after that game, which is completely like people are just indifferent. Like there's no booze anymore. There's no um, booze. That's the worst. It's expected that they do this. I, I, I actually, um, maybe, maybe there's no booze cause it was Christmas. <laughs> like maybe it was, maybe it was around the holidays. I don't I, think I so. honestly, I just think that they just, this is kind of who they are. And, uh, you know, I know we'll get into more about some of the way the players have reacted afterwards, but they're just, you know, you never get too high. You never get too low, but it's just like, no, we're fully capable as a team of, of making, of having this happen to us. We've shown that we've shown it almost more times than not, that this is who we are, as opposed to the team that can go out there and maybe have 17 to 23 points, three pointers a night, have our guys look more like they're accustomed to looking things click. And then we, we, we gut out a win it's just it's just very strange james because the level of compete with this team just wanes so much and i know there's a lot of things going on and i don't even no one wants to give them an excuse because every team is dealing with it we talked about it yeah. in the last podcast it's like no every team has to go through this every they're team watching is, oklahoma city walk in tonight and one after another they they're dropping like flies leading up to the game every team is dealing with a glorified yeah. looking like a glorified g league team at, at a certain point like it's just it is what it is at this point you've had 100 and Hundred over 170 players this month alone go through these COVID protocols, and I think it was 27 on Sunday alone. I mean, 27 I mean, players. You want to talk like, about herd immunity? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the NBA is approaching. They are. I, I mean, it's crazy. And then you know, like I, I want to finish up with Alvin, but um, because we brought this up, I'm, I'm going to mention this. Like, it, it is so incredible that that the Kings have like what seven, they had seven positive tests, right? Seven guys go out and help in safety. And then player wise, like, yes, like 10 staffers, like two assistants uh, well, a head coach and an assistant. Like it, it's a mess. Well, you're about to go up against Oklahoma city thunder who are at the beginning of an outbreak. And you're going to go out there. The Kings still have 10 guys on this roster who have not got it. Right. Like, so when is the second wave? And because I asked, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, hey, is there is there any chance? I know the league's not going to mandate it. Is there any chance you're going to wear a mask out there? Because that's like you would have to consider it. 
that and you he meant, was like. You meant as like playing with one, playing with yeah, one, play on with the a court. mask. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. where is the mask that's totally breathable that that these guys can actually, you know, where's the technology that a guy could actually run up and down the court and not get winded? But at the same time, like, look, man, we're at that point. Like, you're good. If Ty Ty hasn't got it, and he's he's boosted and everything else, we know that. But that doesn't and, mean that he's not going to test positive on Friday or Saturday. Yeah. And it wasn't like, I think people might be going, Oh my God, what an awful question. Like, but it wasn't because we've seen it in college basketball. We've seen it in volleyball. Like we've seen, they, they made volleyball players at one point during college in 2020 at certain levels of college have to wear masks the entire time while they're playing. Um, I have seen it in college basketball, James, like where we're, we've got footage of people playing in masks. It's it, 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 I, I don't know how they can do it, um, but I think it's a legit question. However, there's no chance, much like Tyrese said, that I would ever think an NBA player will do that. I mean, you, people look, what's Rick Barry always talk about when it comes to the free throw? Like the, the granny shot at the free throw line is the most, it's the easiest thing to do. Anyone can make it and nobody will try it because it looks ridiculous. Yep. It's the same thing. If you think that's the case while shooting a free throw, that's what do you think is it's it's there's no one going to do it um i'm not that's saying a, they should, that's a really way, good but, point the the free throw the comparison with the free throw that's a really good point sean well and and here's the other thing like they shouldn't have to and, and again like we 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 know this is spreading crazy um we know things are going on they do so much to protect themselves they could do more i mean i think honestly they, they just need they need to have people designated in their spaces that is just constantly calling it out. Look, every, I think anyone listening to this podcast that works in a corporate setting has realized that they have um, health and safety people within their, within their companies where they've all, they've started committees and, and workforces where they're enforcing rules. They're putting things in place to call out bad behavior. Hey, put your mask on. Hey, do this. Hey, don't do this. Like constantly. And you almost need somebody to parent them or to police them. And it's a, um, it's a hall monitor. You need a a hall hall monitor, monitor. a a hall monitor where there's actually ramifications that come for it, you know? Cause I mean, oftentimes, you know, Oh, whatever. But again, these, so many of these guys have much like the real world, like they've, they've done their due diligence. They feel that they've, well, I protected myself. I went and got my shots. I did this. And well, if I get it, I get it. Well, it's great because, you know, we get it, you know. Um, but at the same time, I think a little policing, a little parenting will go a long way with with some of these kids, some of these young athletes. Um, but, you, I mean, we went into the practice facility the other day, James. Um, and yesterday, I should say. And now, you know, we're taking these we're no longer doing the scrum interviews after we're back into the, into the distanced uh, press conference setting, but we're in the, you know, as if it's our fault, we're the ones that always are wearing masks and doing all these things. Yeah. But, but here we are and we're, you know, we go into the gym, stand in our corner, get our, get our B-roll, which is fine. But how, I'm just seeing so many people who are just don't have masks on. I mean, even outside the players, like you coaches, like the mask is not a chin strap fellas. Like I don't understand the bringing it down around the chin. It just does not, it, that serves no earthly purpose um, and you look ridiculous <laughs> like like you, you do. think it looks ridiculous with your mask on uh yeah i don't i don't get it man but i don't want to shame maskers and all that stuff it's just again there's a lot of reasons these guys are all together they're always together and 
I, I don't fault necessarily on Adam Silver because we got to the point about like how long can this continue? Like, I mean, at, at a certain point, he's right. And I do kind of agree. It's like, well, we got to kind of live with it. We've done everything to protect ourselves. No one's dying in the basketball world. No one's, you know, being hospitalized, fortunately. Yep. Um, people, you're worried more about people around them than the, you know, but then there's so much, you know, I'd be one of those athletes. Like I wanted to ask Marvin Bagley yesterday. I literally wanted to pull him aside and of course couldn't do it. I didn't want to do it in the setting, but I'm like, is there any part of you that goes, damn, I've got this, I've had this virus twice now. Like, what does it look like three years from now? What is it, you know, and, and of course you can't think like that. And most of them are going to think, you know, they have a faith about them. They're going, oh, God's got me or, you know, you know, whatever happens, happens. Like, can't really worry about that. Just do anything. These are well-conditioned athletes. And that's, it's, th- those are the types of things I would be worried about. Yeah, I, I totally get it. And, and Sean brings up a point there. Um, I believe at this point, the Kings have four players who have had COVID twice. Uh, Alex Man, Len. Is it, is it yeah, Alex that? Len, De'Aaron Fox. Uh, Marvin Bagley and Terrence Davis. I mean, Terrence Davis literally had COVID in September and early September. He had COVID. Right. And he's got it. He just got it again. Uh, so it, like, I don't think there's, it's so difficult to put a finger on what, what is right. What isn't. Um, I just know that like, if you can avoid it, avoid it because that, uh, you know, we still don't know the ramifications and all that stuff. And um, so, you know, again, like we got sidetracked here on our Tuesday overreaction as we do. That's I overreacted uh, to it, but yeah. I mean, don't you think to me, okay. Going back to the original point Elvin Gentry overreacting to me, it wasn't, it was a cry for help. It was like, look, man. Oh, hell yeah. We have to do something. You guys have to do something. And it's not a, a move for the sake of doing a move because you, you gotta be more nuanced than that. But man, the, something has to change. We've been, we've been talking about it for the greater part of a year now going dating back to the offseason like you have to do something you have to do something that that shakes the core of this team changes the identity of it and doubling down on a on a small handful of games last year was not the right move yeah i I, look i think you know alvin started down a really dark path there while he was talking he said this is going to stick with you the stench of being quitters on your home court is going to stick with you it's going to go with you wherever you go after this. People will remember. They will ask you about this. And I think that that was really interesting. But but really, Sean, like to segue to what you're going with here, it's something I wrote about on Monday. Like you, you have to do something. Like sitting around and doing next to nothing for 16, 17 months, 18 months, whatever it is that, Monty McNair is on the clock at this point. Like this is like the moves he made were tertiary. They're like secondary, secondary, sec- like bringing in Tristan Thompson instead of DeLon Wright. That's not a move. That's, that's lateral at best. And to be honest, this team probably it would have been better with DeLon Wright and drafting a small forward and, having the big men that you brought in, I understand that, you know, all these things happen in a certain uh, time frame, and, you know, that, that they had made the Tristan Thompson deal walking into the draft, knowing that they really didn't have any big men on the roster. And the free agency was two days later and they didn't know whether they'd be able to sign Rashawn Holmes or Alex Len. I get all of that, but at the same time, you just, you can't think that, signing guys to three and $4 million contracts is going to change the direction of your franchise. 
you have to pull the trigger and it takes two to tango, but you know, I, I think, uh, I think it was, uh, Damien said, you know, is there some uh, addition by subtraction at this point? And hell no. yeah. Do you uh, think yeah. so? I, I don't, oh, I don't think yeah. so. In, in yeah. what, I guess in what way? Cause I, I, <laughs> cause I do think things can get a lot worse. Oh no, they can, can get worse. I, they can get worse, but I, but I think that there comes a point where you can't just keep holding on to pieces, hoping for some magical gigantic deal. And I'll tell you a big reason why they're not active, why they're, they haven't made a big humongous trade. Uh, well, number one, that takes two to tango, which is what we're talking about. Or, or but, three or four. Yeah. Or three or four, but also <laughs> square dance. The uh, reason why you, you don't dump buddy healed for a bag of peanuts, you know, you don't trade buddy healed and take very little back in return is because buddy healed's $20 million a year contract will is needed for a much bigger deal. So it's, they're waiting for this magical deal. And if that magical deal hasn't already materialized, the question is, will it? And, and, I, and Sean, I don't think so. Like, is it a matter of you got a deal in place and they're hedging on whether they want two first round picks and three pick swaps or, and you're saying, we'll do the two first round picks, but we'll only do one pick swap. Like, what is it that if there's not, if that's not hanging out there, if it is, then just do the deal. Like come to some agreement, don't get fleeced, but do something to sweeten the pot and to make the deal work. If not, like, I don't know that there's really a deal out there that makes this team any better right now moving forward. Cause as it is, you're just wasting time. You're just wasting games and, and not only you're killing the spirit of this team. If there is any positivity left, you've got to somehow bring someone in to revive that positivity and bolster it. And that's not on Alvin Gentry at this point, Sean, it's on the players. It's on the players. It's it's on management. It's on ownership. It's like, like the litany of people that are to blame. I just, it's not on Alvin Gentry. That's for sure. This will sound as if I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth and I, and that's not the case. I'm waiting. Um, Alvin Gentry, I said what I felt like he was doing, what it felt like to me was putting this bat signal up in the air. The monument near bat signal is like, I, I picture him on the tower bank. You're like the U S bank building. Just, you know, like, I don't know. That's my Superman pose. That didn't really work, but just looking it up with this mask (laughs) on his face, like going out there. Okay. Um, while I think that's what was doing. And I think, well, that's every fan's hope. And even from a media standpoint, like, sure, it makes it more interesting to cover. Like you're hoping for a different storyline than the one about them blowing another second half lead and all this stuff. Like, I'm not saying that he has to go out and get fleeced. Like you said, like, you know, and I know that's not what you're implying. Um, I feel like right now, everyone wants that. And, it, and it's a really tough position to be in because there's not, you haven't had any moves in the NBA yet. And I think a lot of it is because of this unpredictability of COVID and this, this widespread stuff that's happening, but it also has to deal with you're we're talking about where the Kings are right now. James, you mentioned the record again, real quick. What, what it was like six. What are we at now? 13 and 21. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. 13 and 21. So we already, the, the, the tenor of the season, we already know where we're at. But you're still in it, right? Because ten teams make the play-in tournament, God which is in, in the in the West. That's it's the really worst bad. thing. That, I mean, like eight teams are all right under uh, under five hundred and like sitting there. Like let, let 
let's flip the script just a little bit. All right, let's move over to two teams that I've had. I'll even put three teams out there that I've had my eye on right now. Memphis, Denver, LA Clippers. Memphis, who I think everyone's like, yeah, everything's going great. You know, everyone looks great here. This is the baseball team in May or June that goes, oh, they're going to be a player. They're going to be a player. They need to make a move right now. They need another, they need another big or a three. Like Harrison Barnes would probably be fitting great there. I'm not even putting it in from a King's perspective. I'm just saying to myself, like, what do they need? Like this team could compete. This team could be what Denver was two years ago. Yeah. Um, They're the ones that need to go out and they just need to make some move. They need to go out there and add a piece right now, not for the future, whatever. Go do it right now. Denver, right at about 500. You know, slew of injuries. We, we those are well documented. Yep. Season kind of in, in a little bit in limbo. You still have the MVP on your team. A um, lot of chatter in terms of where are they going right now, but very much in the mix. I mean, you're a 500 team. You're a playoff team. You're a bona fide playoff team, right? What are they going to do? Then you have the LA Clippers, who it's like, all right, you just lost Paul George for now an extended absence. Eric Bledsoe has been kind of carrying you, but Paul George was playing so well. You don't know what the hell is going to happen with Kawhi. Where are you going to be? But you still remain competitive to where you're still in it. I th- point being is I think there's a lot of teams who don't know what that identity of where they fall yet. So are they going to be buyers or sellers? We already know what the Kings are. And that's the unfortunate part. Like, every, we, you know, we we're talking about. Okay, but do happens? we? Are they yes. buyers and sellers? I think they're both. I honestly think they're both. I think yeah. they want to. Again, we go back to what does Monty McNair ultimately look at himself like as a GM? optionality wants to be a part of everything any looking for any single way to make his team better he wants to be involved in all of it you know if you want to attach me to that rumor go for it if you want to attach me to this rumor go for it anyway i'm going to try and seek out whatever way to make my team better okay that's great but then you have to actually do it and yeah it's one of the it's one of the risks we talked about when in talking to him and, and talking to people around him and where you look at in doing something like that and in, in, in some of the press conference and public comments that you've made, it's like, you want to be able to strike when the iron's hot. You want to be able to, you know, have the ability to, to make a, a, a franchise changing move. Well, now you've conditioned your fan base to expect that, that franchise changing move. And, Double-sided sword. Right. So now yeah. like your franchise changing move is not, not re-signing Bogdan Bogdanovich. Your franchise changing move cannot be flipping Tristan Thompson for Delon or Delon Wright for Tristan Thompson. That that's not franchise altering. Corey Joseph for Delon Wright. Or, right, and and again, I yeah. give him credit for some of those moves that he made last year because he looked at okay, I have to get better defensively, and he went out and got some pretty defensive oriented players. Right, we get that. Yeah. Um, but I think again, what you're saying, like I think trading for Mo Harkless, trading for Delon Wright, trading for Terrence Davis, those are all really solid moves. If your core is good enough, and what exactly. we, we now know, yeah. Sean, is that the core is not good enough. You, right. Your core is just, it's just not good enough. It's a rotten apple core. Uh, no, <laughs> and, I, I mean, we, it's a core that's that looks solid on paper that doesn't play well enough together and doesn't have enough of like the alpha male. It doesn't have enough of the oomph, uh, of the fight, of the physicality. It just doesn't. So like I look at the Clippers and, you know, the Clippers are going to be without Paul George at a minimum. I think it's a month, but we're probably talking a lot longer than that. I mean, he basically is going to have to undergo Tommy John at some point. He told tore his ulnar nerve. Um, 
you know, so, so basically they're going to, they're just a team that out physicals you. Mm-hmm. And, and if you allow that, like, there's no reason for the Kings to lose to a team like the Clippers. I mean, they lost to a team like the Clippers. Paul George was there, but what do you shoot? Like five of, of like 16 from the field because his elbows trashed and, and you still let them beat you. You let them manhandle you. So there's a personality that's just flat out missing from the Sacramento Kings. And that's like, if I'm looking at the list of things that you need, that's above almost any other position. Like, just give me someone with some balls. Give me someone <laughs> that will punch. Give me someone who plays physical. Right. Give me someone who's not a, like, like just going to wilt. Like we're going to like, we'll, we'll transition right now, Sean. Like they've, they've got to do something right. They, or they don't. And if, and if they don't, then like, there's going to be a lot of empty offices at the end of this season, if they don't, because like a head coach, like who's an interim, an interim head coach doesn't survive this, but neither should the guys who built the roster and then did nothing. They shouldn't survive this because if you're going to get a new head coach, that means you're, are you going to let the guy who just put two rosters two years in a row that like really weren't doing anything and let him put together another roster and hire a head coach knowing that you might have to let him go at some point. And now we're going to have this whole head coach uh, floating out there that you've already paid with a GM that, you know, you're going to force the new guy in to be the general manager with the head coach that, somebody else hired, you know, this whole mess that we keep going through again and again and again, like I, there's going to be a lot of empty offices. At least that's what it looks like to me, you know, and, and the one office that, that should be empty, you can't do anything about. So what are you going to do? There's, there's nothing you can do. Like you, you're going to, we're going to keep seeing this same cycle again and again and again, unless somebody is bold enough to make a move that either blows this thing up or fixes it. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. I mean, I I don't, you're not wrong. Um, I I just will say, like, you don't, you just don't see a, I I still feel like there's so much roadblocking a lot of moves right now. And I think the COVID element adds a little to that. But I also feel because of that, much like to the, like, like you said, the two to tango, four to square dance, whatever the, whatever, how many teams you need to get involved, like, I think so often teams will call general manager. will call Monty McNair. I think, I, f- I feel like, you know, he's making calls. His phone rings all the time. Um, I mean, I do feel it was a little, I'm not, I'm not slamming Monty here. I don't, I, I don't want I don't want anyone to think this because like yesterday we're in the gym and it's, it's clearly for a B roll opportunity. And I feel like there was some, like Monty does this a lot, but I hadn't seen it in a while. And all of a sudden he comes out and he's going around dapping everyone up as in people. And I'm like, Oh my God, this feels like it's a kissing babies opportunity. Yeah. But not, but it also cameras are rolling. The cameras are rolling. Right. Like I, um, no, it was, I, I I don't want to put that, but that's what it felt like to me. Um, and I think he, once he saw the camera was there, it was almost like a, Oh damn, (laughs) here's the camera. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like one could look at it as, Oh, look, the cameras are here. Let me go do my thing. But I think once he saw the camera was there, he's like, okay, let me get the hell off the floor. <laughs> like, like Wait, it was fine. What you're saying, Sean, he didn't get the same exact media email that we got. Cause I'm going to guess that he did. Sean. He probably did. I know. I'm going to guess know. that he did. So, so again, like I, I, 
like show that you're there i guess i guess i, I guess uh but if you're not there we know that like six other guys are there and then you know sean like we're starting to hear little murmurs about this player or that player like it just feels like like the groundwork is being laid uh to make a big trade that people aren't going to be happy about uh it, it feels like a lot of that is already starting to take place the the exit exit strategy the pete d'alessandro exit strategy mentality where you know you start hearing murmurs about players who may or may not have come into camp 15 pounds out of shape and, and then lost that 15 pounds during training camp um you know that kind of stuff that's that's what's put out when that that's showing you which way a, a franchise is leaning on a player yeah but i i mean I think what I was getting at more so was the fact that I think everyone thinks that Monty is going to have to operate out of desperation and, and oh, much yeah. to your, much to your point about Damien, uh, Damien Barling, our good friend over at 1320 asking, you know, is addition by subtraction, a good thing. Like that's why it's not a good thing. Like you, you can't, that's acting out of desperation. You know what I mean? Like there are teams calling all the time who are trying to fleece the Kings. They're like, yep this dude's balls are on the line. I got it. They're on the chopping block right now. Uh, he needs to make a move. It's it, you've, so you've all seen Moneyball and draft day, you know, like, like you just, it's not that far. Like sometimes, sometimes nonfiction is, is stranger than fiction. Right. Yeah. Um, like these things happen. They're going to look at that and they go, well, he's, he's desperate. He's got to do something. Maybe that move we asked him about back in July, all of a sudden is something where he's like, all right, I need it now. Yeah, let's do it now. Oh, that deal doesn't exist anymore. Like in draft day. Now it's going to, I want all my, I want, I want all my picks and David goddamn Putney, right? Like that's how it works in draft day. So like, it's just, I feel like there's people who look at him and it's like, he, he's sweating bullets over there. And I don't think that's the case. Like, I think Monty is smart enough not to make that type of move. Um, Cause when you act out of desperation and fear, you're going to make your worst decisions. So of course, um, so again, to the point of, is it addition by subtraction at this point? I see why someone could say so, but I feel like it's just because they're tired of seeing the old song and dance, right? That's why you don't have fans operate your, well, or sometimes you do, but you don't have fans operate your organization. <laughs> what do you mean? At least the good ones. <laughs> what do you mean? We're not going to crowdsource? <laughs> we shouldn't be. We're not crowdsourcing right now. I sure feel like we're crowdsourcing right now. And if now. you do crowdsource, I think we've learned Twitter is an awful, awful place to crowdsource. Sean, the crowdsourcing. It's just, <laughs> it kills me. I know. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think at the end of this, we're, we're saying that this thing is a colossal mess and we don't know how to fix it. And because we're not in the room and we don't know what the, what the offers are, uh, you know, again, like, but the conversations they, have to be heating up. You have to, you just, whatever yeah. you were doing a week or two weeks ago, you're doubling down this week. Like, you know, you just can't get used like you did with the, the Russell Westbrook trade. I mean, that's, I agree. again, you're, like that's a, leverage. And that's like can't the, be used second, as leverage. the second or third time we've seen the leverage play work against the Kings at this point. And it, look, the second that, that Luke Walton uh, emptied his office, that puts one person on the clock. And, and that's a GM and it is what it is. And it's gone downhill. And so uh, it, it's a mess. Now let, let's get to a couple other things quickly. Um, we have leaders on this team, but we lack a leader's voice. 
Terrence Davis with some philosophical, he was waxing philosophically. Uh, first he asked, Can I just say a, I felt, I felt bad for Terrence Davis. Is this a trick question? That was his first thing I know. he said. Yeah. And then he came up with this line and you know what, man, I get that line because you know what he's used to? He's used to Kyle Lowry. He's used to in his year and a half in the NBA before he got to Sacramento, he's used to there's leaders, but then there's that guy over there. Who's the leader's voice. That's, Mm -hmm. that's the guy who's leading us into every game. That's the one that's holding us accountable. That's, that's the dude right there. The, The Kings don't have that dude. And, we can get on this subject all we want about, oh, De'Aaron Fox has got to be that guy. It's got to be that guy. Like Harrison Barnes has got to be that guy. Rashawn Holmes has to be that guy. Buddy Heald needs to be that guy. Tristan Thompson has tried to be that guy, and I, he doesn't play enough, I don't think, to make it all that make he's that not, much yeah, sense. Not relevant uh, enough. Mo Harkless, again, I, I think he's not relevant enough, but it's he. that's another voice. Like De'Aaron Fox just turned 24. Him and Sean share a birthday. He just turned 24. There are a bunch of grown ass men in that room that should be taking accountability for this mess as much as De'Aaron Fox. I, I mean, that's it. Like there it's not because he gets paid more than everyone else. Like that's BS, right? Like Buddy Heald makes $23 million, $22 million this year. Harrison Barnes makes over $20 million this season. Those should, their voices should be as loud or carry further than Fox. The fact is the reason why we have these expectations of Fox is because he's shown time and time again behind the scenes that he is their best player. That's why they call him the head of the snake. It's not because they believe he will ascend to something at some point. It's because they have seen it time and time again. He is better than everyone else on the court. So you want him to somehow step into some leadership role, but that can be as a quiet leader who just goes out and does his job every day. What we're seeing now is a mess because you had Terrence Davis who come out, came out and was trying to celebrate the fact that he just had a, a solid game in his first game back from his second bout with COVID and was all smiles and got faced with a buzzsaw of media who just had a head coach throw the entire team under a steamroller and back over it six or seven times. Uh, so you put this guy in this situation and then De'Aaron Fox comes out and literally blows us off. Like he had his hood on, like head down, didn't want to answer anything. Media is over in two minutes. Sean. Yeah, it wasn't a good look. I mean, I will say this, though, like De'Aaron's out there all the time for for media purposes. He is. He's paid handsomely to do that. Buddy Heald, where are you? Because you don't. Harrison Barnes likes to say that he comes out here when things are bad. and, And that is usually true. Harrison Barnes, where were you? Like, I'm sorry, you don't do it enough. De'Aaron's out there all the time. De'Aaron keeps saying a lot of the same things. I think there was a clever moment with with Jason Anderson. There was really not much to say. Like, if if you could tell the guy was at his wits end, I'm not trying to stick up for De'Aaron at any means. Like, it looks it's bad. funny because I usually get that. People think I'm sticking up for De'Aaron. I, I tried yeah. to explain that, like, I'm not staying, sticking up for him. I'm just telling you that you're expecting something out of somebody that doesn't have that to give. Well, and to my point is, I feel like, I feel like De'Aaron came in and is like, what can we, this is like, he might as well just said, this is who we are until we show we're not, this is just who we are. And when he said, when like, 
you're asking a guy, this is what's crazy. We get a lot of questions this way. And I know it's everyone's job to ask some of these questions, but sometimes like you, you'll never hear me ask this question. Okay. You're never going to hear me say, what's it going to take to get better? What's it going to take to, to change certain things as if there's like some magic solution or this carrot that, Oh, let me just climb this ladder, pick it up. And everything's better now. I almost cursed. Everything's better now. <laughs> like, and that's essentially what the question was being asked of him. He's like, Hey, you guys all, you know, come out here and say the, the right things. And you do all these like, but what's it, what's it going to take to actually do it? And Darren looked at Jason Anderson. I'm, I'm not trying to slam Jason. It's, it's again, you kind of have to put these people in position to explain themselves and their actions. But he just looks at him. He says, do you, do you want me to say it again? Cause he just said, you guys say it all the time. And he's and it's like, what's it going to take? He's like, it's going to take, everyone coming together striving for the same goal not letting go of the rope all these things that we hear and and he just got done saying these things how are you going to ask it again like you can go out and say hey Darren, you just came back from COVID. how'd that impact you Darren, you had seven turnovers boy you look terrible you played like shit like what are you going to go you can go out and say these things you can talk about specific moments but to talk about the hey what needs to change well we need to win oh we need to play harder like sometimes questions are taken so literally and the question look look and i i'm far be it for me to slam another media member's question i'm not trying to do that because a dumb question can elicit a brilliant response oh yeah i can do not ever think that, a, that you should never ask a dumb question here's the other thing athletes hate they when they say never ask a question you know the answer to hell no <laughs> i will ask a question i know the answer to i may know a version of the truth of that question but you might have a different uh, observation or and different. You're going to put it on the record. You're going to say Correct. your answer to that question on the record. So it's yeah. not me and Sean talking about it. It's not what we know. And we're telling you that this is why it's happening. You're going to tell the people why that is why it is. And, and, and that's why you ask questions that you know the answer to. And here's the other part. Like, you may know a version of the truth, <laughs> like for, yeah. like, you know, there's a scene in training day, right. Where he, where he sits down and meets with, with, with I love how it always goes back to movies with me, but there's, yeah. he sits down with Ethan Hawke and at the table and he's looking at, he's, he's trying to talk to him while he's reading the paper. And he looks at, he says, he's like, you want to talk to me? Okay, fine. Tell me, tell me a story. And he's asking him stories. He looks at the newspaper. He says, everything in this newspaper is 80% BS or something like that. And he says, but, in there is some truth, right? There is some stuff in there that is actually, but he's an 80% BS, but it's, you have to decipher through all of it. We may have it. We might have facts, right? We, we seek out facts, but the best part about covering a team, an organization, doesn't matter if it's sports, politics, whatever it is, everyone has a version of the truth, right? Or they have an observation or a viewpoint. The truth is still the truth. Like the fact is still a fact. Yes. But what splinters off in the Venn diagram of their version of it to ultimately tell the story. Now that provides context as to why this person believes X, Y, or Z, right? Fact is still the fact. Okay. You are a bad basketball team. You lost the game. These are facts, right? You had seven turnovers. How it all splinters off and we're trying to make weave this web. Like, again, I feel like it just becomes so, so exhausting ask the freaking question he doesn't have a solution like there's so many questions where they're saying how do you guys get better 
And I'd be like, well, we we score more points than the other team. We hope make we play better defense. That's how you get better. We show up at practice. We work harder at practice. Yeah. It's not it's not something like and, and I, I don't want to slam you here, slam you here in this, James, because a lot of times you'll say what needs to change. Right. Or or um, there's another one that you've had before. Where it's like right off the bat. You're like. Um, We're in the uh, same situation again and again and again. Right here. Here we how are we, again. Right? How do we get out of the same exact right. loop? It's like it's 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 if you ask like, okay, what led to the loop? Okay. Hey, your turnovers were bad here. Hey, that third quarter, what happened in that second? Just ask what happened in the second half. Yeah. I'll tell you what happened. That's how they get better. You don't go, Oh, what needs to change? Well, everyone knows what needs to change. You need to win the freaking game. <laughs> you need to like, just ask about the, we ask need to about win the root of the problem. And we lose, right. We need to score more than the other team. Now it doesn't yeah. help that De'Aaron came in with the hood up with hardly, I mean, and in all due respect, people forget this dude just came back from COVID. He's not feeling a hundred percent. He's playing, yep. he's cleared, he's able to play, but he's not back to what you no. know. Okay. No. So I do want to give that caveat. The last thing he's trying to do, he's doing his job. He went in there, he did his job. Yeah. He's not he's not looking anybody in the eye. No, you know, he's being very short. He didn't want to be there. And I felt honestly, he just got he just basically we saw a version of that. This is why I asked Marvin Bagley yesterday. Marvin Bagley, James, I don't know if you saw this. Um, yeah, I was you, watching. You, But Alvin came in, did his press conference. Marvin was there for the entire thing. Like, they came in together. Oh, that's room. interesting. No. And that never that. happens. No. That never happens. So when when Marvin took um, the podium, I kind of made light of it because, I mean, he had to sit there and listen to his coach just diss his team again for about 12 minutes. <laughs> and, and here yeah. he is sitting there. And, and so I kind of wanted to make light of it by just saying, Hey, was that boring for you? Like, or was that like, you had to hear that? And I wanted, I was like, did you hear a different version of your head coach than maybe the one in the locker room? And he's like, what do you mean? <laughs> and I'm like, well, cause you know, he clearly comes out. He's different kind of passionate coach. He's, he's I mean, he's yeah. he says, no, it's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. Um, I thought it was interesting because you don't really see a player. It was like, it's like high school. It was like back to high school days where the high school player has to sit there and watch the coach get interviewed. And then the, player goes and gets talked to for like three minutes and leaves like it's it, but he's got to wait out and get to see all the questions and have the benefit of thinking about his answers a little bit longer i thought marvin was was played that part really well he's very he was so encouraged by the way the team responded to um alvin's gyrations and overtures and and, and tough screaming words. and yelling yeah, yeah. But I mean, again, as you point out, James, we've seen team meetings, we've seen all this, and it still keeps to happen. It's just, again, this team's not any good. So until there's changes made, like it's just going to be what it is, and this yeah. is just who they are. So um, I guess it's just a long-winded way of saying, yeah, maybe we'll see an inspired effort. You know, you've got to make, you've got to make uh, chicken salad out of this chicken crap that you have. I mean, you've got a home schedule, James. We're doing our our happy hour on January sixth. That coincides with the next time the Kings get out of town. They're leaving California on January 6th. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy because a lot here's, of home a, games. here's a problem, Sean. We we know that they've already had the team meeting. They've already had the players only meeting. Um, they had COVID, which I like that took some of the wind out of their sails for sure. Um, but at the same time, like these things only last for so long before you're right back in where you were before. And we've seen this team have these amazing practices. Everything was spectacular. And then go out against a 
bad OKC team missing half of their roster on COVID already. We just had another player drop like two minutes ago, um, you know, and this team could lose by 25 mm-hmm. or they could lose by 12. Either way, it's still losing to a team that you shouldn't lose to. You could face the Dallas Mavericks on Wednesday with no Luka Doncic. Okay. Well, that doesn't mean anything. This right. team, like it does, none of this means anything to the Sacramento Kings. Playing against a team without great players, playing against a team without five starters, playing against a team at full strength while you're down. We, you should never bet on this team. The one thing I'll say about this season that's really frustrating, which will lead <laughs> us into the business of basketball. I think the, you just gave it away. The business of basketball. Don't bet on the Kings. <laughs> yeah, don't bet on the Kings. But the, the biggest, like, there aren't any close games. We're done with having... Like the two minute report, like I don't even look at the two minute report anymore. There's no reason no need. this team either thumps somebody or they get thumped and they've got thumped more than they've, than, than they've thumped somebody. That's what it comes down to. So Sean, um, yeah, the, the business of basketball, um, we're going to get into that right now. And, uh, we're going to try to scurry through this as fast as possible. Cause I think we are running long on the podcast already. Um, but it comes back to the the Ty thing where Ty goes, no, this isn't the worst that I've ever seen. Like we got beat by 50 last year. That was the worst I felt after a game. So I guess my question is, Sean, for the business of basketball, we both have covered this team for a long time. What is the the worst, the most defining moment or the worst that you've ever seen while you've covered the team? And, and I mean, I know what it is for me, but what is it for you? I mean, it's easy. I mean, it's the, the 08 is 0809 had to write it down. Yeah. Cause I get the years confused 17 win team. I mean, it's so funny. I remember that season, there was a triple overtime game against golden state and then they rattle off. Uh, they won that game and then they rattle off. I wrote it down eight in a row. Then they win another one overtime game and they lose six in a row. Like that's how, that's how that there was a lot of overtime games in that season too but it was, it can always get worse. Like people don't like this. Like you're, you're still in it. You're still in it. And I know it's just a, look, this is, I've told people again, I didn't think this team was going to be any good. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but even I'm surprised at how bad this team has played basketball this season. I I'm surprised that, that they still are a soft, soft paper bag, thin type team. Um, paper bag is generous. That is generous tissue. Just like, some Kleenex or some, <laughs> Packing, packing toilet peanut paper, maybe toilet yeah, paper. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is, yeah, that, it, that does surprise me because I will say this, the 17 game win season, like, okay. I never once thought this team that that team was soft. I never did. I mean, there were certain, they certainly had a lot of shortcomings, obviously. Um, but they were just a really young, inexperienced, the veterans on that team. I felt bad for, I mean, they just weren't a good team. Okay, this so team, this team almost feels worse in a way because of the way that there's no level of compete because they're letting you down. That's what yeah. I, I think that's what it is like. Okay, so we walk in every season with an idea of how good a team can be. And sometimes it's because, you know, like I thought that the team could be really good the year after Dave Yeager when when Luke Walton stepped in. It wasn't because I thought Luke Walton was a genius as a head coach It's because I knew that Luke Walton ran 
a uh, forever how fast the Kings were the year before with De'Aaron Fox and under Dave Yeager, and it was so exciting. The Lakers team that Luke was coming from was actually faster. Their their pace, they finished above the Kings in pace by quite a bit. I think they were first in the league, and the Kings were fifth by the end of the season. So I thought, okay, look, that that makes sense. That that should be the starting point, and we're going to see them go from there. That that's not what happened. So so that was a disappointing season. Uh, last season, like what happened happened. Like that, the second that you didn't retain Bogdan Bogdanovich, you signed his own Whiteside, and you signed Glenn Robinson the third. That just told me that you literally didn't care about winning. But that was, oh, I'm going to try to burn out Vlade's roster and we'll try to make changes, and then never did. You just limped into the season with zero depth with like six players. So my expectations were that, that this is the team that they're going to be. I think I'd show, I, I had them winning 27 games last year. My first couple of seasons covering this team was very clear. Uh, the Maloofs were broke. And they walked into every season below the salary cap, which was mandatory that you got to 58 or 58 and a half million every year at that point. They made trades in season to take on players that were out for the remainder of the season, like Marquise Daniels or, or uh, Jason Terry, uh, you know, guys that were never going to play for you. They made those trades just to get to the salary floor. So the expectations were, like when you get to the 60 game mark that every young player on your bench is going to play because we're tanking for, a, for a, a higher draft pick. Right. So all like you can feel what's going to happen walking into almost every season, even the season that Jaeger won 39 games. That was an aberration that should have never happened. None of us saw that coming that it, we would have a fun season of watching this reckless team run up and down the court and then all the drama behind the scenes, it was a hot mess and it was fun on the court. And it was, that might be the one other season where I think, okay, that season went way better than I thought it would. That might be the only season in my 12 years where I went, ah, a team that actually surprised me the right way. The, my worst season ever is Malone gets fired at when the team's 11 and uh, 13 and they held DeMarcus Cousins out a couple of extra games without him knowing that the reason why they were doing that was so they could dip under 500 and fire, fire Michael Malone. Um, he had viral meningitis, missed 10 games. And then before that, the Kings were rolling and they couldn't fire him. So they took advantage of the fact that they could fire him. Uh, and then, of course, Tyrone Corbin walks in and just ran into a buzzsaw, a team that had, had literally... And that is where... Uh, Rudy Gay coined the phrase, this is a welcome to basketball hell. That's what he told, told George Carl when he walked in the door. Uh, again, George Carl was the wrong man at the wrong time. Just that whole entire season went from so much potential to so much disaster. And it just felt so horrible showing up every single game, knowing that the players had quit, the everything was a mess. Like management was was getting fired because they deserved it. It was just a horrible mess. So that would be my worst season, Sean. Yeah, those are those are some doozies, man. Those are some those are some I think for me the reason they weren't uh at, like my worst season is because there were so many storylines. And that's true. And, and like, you know, 
I used to say I got spoiled from. I mean, we we talk about it all the time. I got spoiled from good covering playoff basketball in Sacramento, um, which I'll never forget. By the way, we had Jason. I don't want to keep picking on Jason, but Jason Anderson at one point came in and goes, "Oh, like almost like he didn't he didn't know my history, which is fine, but he he was talking about the Kings or something like that, and I forget success, and he he mistakenly just goes, "Oh, you you know what." playoff basketball looks like in sacramento I'm like yeah man i covered it like i, I covered those teams like that th- that's not that i thought that was pretty well documented but i remember feeling right around the 0405 season where you know you're just like you're not what you once were but you're still pretty good but there's a boringness that came to covering winning basketball all the time yeah like you had to, like you're always, you're, you were kind of like, oh man, maybe they should just lose one just so I can like, just so I can add something to it, like a different, whatever, just something different because here you are winning again. Here you are winning again. You don't great. feel that now that there's a boringness to losing where no, you there, have to there come is. up with something to make it intriguing each and every night. No, what I'm saying is shame on that Sean Cunningham from back in 0506 who said, who thought that way, because it was the challenge of journalistically the challenge of being pulling out the creativity pulling out the different angles and things of that nature is can be can be difficult whether it's losing or winning because this isn't a baseball or or a football team where you've got a roster that's so big and you have storylines everywhere right it's basketball team it's smaller and you're talking to the pretty much the same few players over and over and over again so there is a creativity in having to bring out different things, you know, questions, angles, all these things, right? And when you're doing it the same thing over and over and over again, now we've got 15 straight losing seasons. Sometimes the stuff that happens around the organization or the the storylines, as I like to call them, yeah, which you were talking about that season, like, yeah, the vibe was bad. But the reason I don't go to that place that you did was because... Oh my God, our content pop, baby. Like oh, you, were the, you yeah. were the talk of the NBA because you were an absolute, you know, you know what show. Yeah. You're a circus. So um, yeah, but but the 17 game season, you weren't not only were you not relevant, you weren't even interesting. Yeah, there's nothing worse than a bad, a bad, uh, like boring. Yeah, for a long time, even the DeMarcus Cousins era, he made it one of the most interesting bad basketball teams in the league. Yeah. Because there's always something. And, and I mean, like when we talk about like, what's the worst, the best, I mean, my first season, like in the first, like the last preseason game, we knew that there was going to be a relocation attempt. We didn't know it'd be full blown, but we right. knew it was coming then. So I like you had, I had to live through two full blown relocation attempts where you thought the team might be losing, leaving and and everyone's oh what are you going to do if they lose uh, if they leave and i'm like i just won't cover basketball anymore what do you mean like i'll do something else but like we had to cover all of that those don't even compare to no. having to watch a team like unfurl like just like oh man that's like you can't put that one back together that's that's humpty dumpty we got we got ourselves a full blown like broken egg all over the ground like 
like eh, all the king's yeah, horses even, and all the king's men they can't do shit with that yeah and even with the demarcus cousins years it's like you've got that polarizing figure like there will be books written written about demarcus you know oh yeah there's going yeah. to be i mean i should probably i mean we all should probably do one like i don't yeah. know like my point being is like you at least had a polarizing individual like in sacramento right now you don't have that like yes you can say buddy Heald's a great shooter and De'Aaron should be something but they're just not like they don't they don't you don't have a ben simmons a devin booker a chris paul a lebron james i mean even down to like Lamelo ball well even before this i think like ben simmons was not at all interesting before what's happened here right yeah yeah like darren so. i mean darren might be still interesting i think there's interest around tyrese you know but when you yeah become a player who hasn't won and it's you know that's what alvin was talking about Right. You get known as this guy that sticks with you everywhere you go. Like well, that's who you were. And then people will be like, how come you weren't this way when, you know, you were with the Kings? Like, I don't know. You know, like, I think that there's always that moment where like, if you, if you were to move to Aaron Fox or somewhere else that he could have just this breakout moment and become like so much more. But I also think that it's possible that, that you already broke him, that you already <laughs> ended that possibility. <laughs> I, I would disagree. Like, I don't think we're at that point yet. Like, I look. Oh, but we're close. De'Aaron, like, look, would De'Aaron want out of Sacramento? No, they they paid him a boat ton of money. Would he yep. would he welcome a trade if one came along? They all would. Of course they would, because everyone. But I will say De'Aaron is a guy who is keenly aware. He gets reminded all the time about the playoff streak. And imagine being the guy that breaks the playoff streak. Like, we all, they all understand that. You know, they all want, they all want but to see but that five years in, do you still think that you can be the guy or, or, or do you even like at that point, do you even want to be around there to do it? Well, and that's like, the part where it's so interesting. Like we look at things so big picture. And I think the things pe that people don't realize is like, like I've, I've always broken down the season. I think Tyrese is a different type of mind because I feel like Tyrese doesn't totally look at it from the athlete standpoint he looks at it more of a analytical mind right where it's or even yeah. a fan so if you look at the season and you like i often do and i break it up into little increments right and this was such a we talked about this is such a huge increment for the kings to have any it's time if you're gonna have any success this is the you know get off the pot moment or do your business kind of thing right so this is where you this is that stretch yep but the athlete is literally i mean it, they're they're cliche for a reason because they are in the moment day to day all right, we don't win that one. Win the next one. They don't like losing streaks. Suck. We all get that, but like, it doesn't matter. Like the losing streak and a winning streak, it doesn't matter. And I know people might bristle at that, like, oh, they're going to disagree, and that's fine. But I'm telling you, you, talk to enough professional athletes. All they are is in the moment. They are just in the moment, one day to the next, one game to the next. It's all such a routine. And at the end of the, you know, yeah, certainly they'll look at standings and, and playoff watches and all that kind of stuff. But if they allow their mind to get out of their routine to what they know, they're creatures of habit. And they, this is just how they are. It sounds berserk, but not all, most athletes do feel that way. They are such in the moment. And think of Marvin, what he said yesterday. He's like, no, I think we'll be fine. Of course. Okay. Maybe you're just foolishly optimistic, whatever. They all feel that way. They all want to feel like, okay, if we just do this, we'll be this better or whatever. We just have to do this. Like it, it, that's where the arrogance comes from. These are professional athletes who are used to success. We were applauding De'Aaron Fox for being so open the, uh, like two weeks ago at, at his press conference saying, no, this is the only, this is, you know, I'm not used to 
losing. I don't like losing. This is yeah. no athlete likes losing. And he opened up. Then you come to this and it's like he hood up, not making eye contact, pissed that away. He's pissed. He's got it. He's got read the riot act by his coach. I mean, it's, <laughs> this is where we are. Yeah. Sean, <laughs> I, like, are. we, we got to wrap this thing up. I, I yep. do remember though. I told you one time I, I've, I said this to Monty pool years ago too. Like the, the only difference between covering a 50, a 50 win team and a 50 loss team for a writer is that I I'm writing 50 game uh, losing game recaps and you're writing 50 winning game re- winning cap uh, recaps. You still have to come up with something for 50 games when they're winning and they're really good. And I still have to come up with something when they're really bad and job, the something don't change. Don't they're change. not that different. They're right. really not that different. And does it wear you out? Yeah. But at the same time, like I walk in every game going, Hey, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, some nights I'm like, this is going to be a beat down. Uh, and then, and then those are the nights where it's like, huh, look at that. They won by three. Didn't hey, see that, that one coming. Didn't see Jones. Yeah. And that's when you like, you get to like smile or celebrate a little bit, like inside, not outwardly, but it's why when people always go, why do you just put Kings win with a, with a period on the end? It's like, well, number one, I have to remain stoic as a media member. Number two, you just can't, there's just not enough of them. Like I'm not going to get overly excited because the next five games could be Kings lose. And I'm not doing that every time. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it, it's, hey, it can get rough to, to your point, James, the, the job don't change. Nope. And, and as people know, if they walk into any press room that I'm in, I, the team could lose six straight. I'm still going to be laughing in the media room and popping Joe. Like I have a, yeah. I have a, obviously some decorum about me and being a professional but uh no i mean the job don't change you win or lose like that's on that's you guys this is where the the separation is i'm i my job our job is still the same yeah i'll still be popping jokes at their expense sometimes whether they win or lose so it doesn't matter dropping f-bombs hoping that the cameras aren't (laughs) rolling and catching everything we're saying in the media room uh being sarcastic (laughs) a-holes yeah Yeah. when you we do it as long as we have uh you do have to have some sort of fun with what's happening like yeah well you know i think it sometimes it catches the young media relations people who uh who aren't like they're like the part-time the game night staff they're always like, whoa, I, you just yeah. said that. It's like, did you just watch what I watched? <laughs> like, Either I'm laughing or I'm crying. And at this point, like there, there ain't no more tears left except oh, for today because my eyes are watering. No, no, I like Never. not at all. Not at all. So, um, all right. So that's going to do it for this edition of the King Speed podcast. Sean, do you have any final thoughts? No, we covered a lot, man. Uh, we get to do another one of these before uh, New Year's, right? Yeah, we'll we'll do one on Thursday uh, before New Year's, and you know the Kings play New Year's Eve, and then they play um, again on oh Sunday. We're have to figure that one we out, got, right? We got some uh, we got some three o'clock uh, three o'clock tips, two three o'clock tips in a row, which uh, that's good because we at least can go out and have a drink after what could be a, a loss to Luca, which is just a reminder that you didn't draft Luca on new year's eve like cheers <laughs> and no and no uh, no downtown celebration for new year's this year oh they've closed it off because of the COVID. covid yeah yeah mm, all it's right well that's that's a bummer um okay so again let's cover a couple of bases really quick as we close out the podcast number one 
uh, we're doing YouTube. Make sure you uh, give us thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, the King's Beat, make sure you're subscribed to the newsletter. Uh, and then on top of that, if you would like to become a, uh, a premium subscriber, which I highly suggest because we're going into the next happy hour, um, you need to do so quickly because I'm going to shut that off uh, a couple of days before. So, um, so become a premium subscriber because uh, I'll tell you the, the happy hours are, are fun. Uh, and that's, uh, it's a good premium thing where you literally get unfettered access to Sean and I, and, and maybe a guest. Uh, so, um, all right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the King's beat podcast for ABC 10, Sean Cunningham. I am James Ham. We'll see you on Thursday. Mark Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.